and welcome to another edition of Menopause Buddies. Today I'm joined by Amy. Amy's an editorial content director from the States. She's also the founder of The Midst, an empowerment project for women, but we'll find out more about that later. Hi, Amy. Hi there. How are you? I'm very well. And you? I'm good. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. To to start, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So my name is Amy Cueva Schroeder, and um, I'm currently based in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's uh, about 110 degrees, pretty hot. I know. Um, Not good for hot flashes at all. No. Wow. No. But um, I... I've got a couple things going on. I have a full-time day job uh, working as an editorial director for uh, a venture capital firm in Menlo Park, California. Um, and then, like you mentioned, my passion project is called The Mist. Um, I'm calling it the gateway drug for the modern midlife experience. Um, so we produce a lot of content about perimenopause and menopause and just the the modern midlife experience. And I've also got, um, I'm raising twin daughters who are eight years old. Wow. So you're busy then? Yeah, you could say. (laughs) Great. And now we're here to talk about perimenopause and menopause. So could you tell us where you are at in your journey? Sure. So I am 47 years old and I think I've been in perimenopause since about age 41. Um, I started experiencing um, symptoms around age 41, and uh, night sweats was was probably the most severe. I was just sweating profusely through my sheets at night um, and having menopausal headaches and weight gain, uh, insomnia, et cetera. Um, so I went to a couple of doctors to try to help me get a um, diagnosis and it did not go well. Um, so I had to do a lot of my own learning just to figure out that I was in fact in perimenopause. Um, and then eventually I did find a a hormone specialist who helped diagnose me. Right. So when you say it didn't go well, what (laughs) happened? (laughs) Yeah. I, so I went to a, a general practitioner at first and just, told him, you know, my symptoms. And his first question was, are you still getting your period? And I said, yes. And he's like, okay, well, you're not in, you're definitely not in perimenopause. And he, he didn't even actually use that word perimenopause, although I brought it up. He said, you're not in menopause. And I said, well, I know I'm not in menopause because I'm getting my period, but it's, you know, I have all these symptoms that I believe are, are perimenopausal symptoms. And it, So I just felt, you know, defeated and he didn't have any answers for me. So from there, I went to an OBGYN and she basically the same thing. Like she's special because she specializes in delivering babies. um, I didn't know that that means that she also does not specialize in menopausal care, perimenopause. So she asked me the same questions about my period and uh, I got nowhere. So I just, you know, for months I just felt defeated and (laughs) like, like what I was going through wasn't valid. It wasn't true. Um, 
But after having done a lot of research and talking to some friends, um, I just kept at it and finally found um, a, a perimenopause specialist in Chicago, which is where I was living at the time. And then from there, everything changed and got better. Wow. And 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 would that be quite common in the States or would it be yes. specific to each state? Would each state have a different protocol for perimenopause? It is. Good question. So um, since that experience for me six years ago, um, I've done, you know, quite a lot of research, quite a lot of reading, quite a lot of writing. Actually, I did a series called My Adventures in Perimenopause um, for my blog as well. And what I kept hearing over and over from other women who were, ex you know, experiencing um, a lot, you know, similar uh, symptoms and similar experiences of just trying to get a diagnosis mm. from doctors, I would say it's, it's it feels very common. Um, it's getting better, but it feels very common that in the United States, especially if you're not in a major city, um, that you know, just trying to get a diagnosis to explain why you're experiencing, you know, many common perimenopause symptoms is, it's just very hard to do, almost impossible. So there's, I would say, by and large, there's a lack of awareness in the United States about what perimenopause is. And what I keep hearing continually, and now, especially since I've been building the myths and building our perimenopause awareness content, I hear from our readers who are primarily American women saying, why, why are we not talking about this? You know, why do our doctors not tell us about this? And for us, it's, it's largely coming down to the fact that um, doctors are not l learning about uh, menopause and perimenopause in medical school. I, you know, I've talked to some doctors and they say, yeah, we spend about, you know, maybe 15 minutes on that topic. So there's a lot of awareness <laughs> There, luckily, though, you know, because I think America is such an entrepreneurial country um, and there are millions of women going through perimenopause, there are there's a, a, uh, a swell of um, women's health startups that are basically taking matters into their own hands, largely women who are um, doctors who are saying, I went through menopause myself and um, even for me, there's lack of support and resources. So a lot of uh, companies are coming about now where they're creating uh, menopause health um, support um, through telemedicine. So largely, you know, through the internet, but um, it's exciting to see that happen. And, and because of that, I feel like there's a movement going on in the U.S. that's similar, this not quite as far along as the movement in the UK, but I feel like we're slowly but surely getting there. Brilliant. That's exciting, isn't it? Because when women get the bit between their teeth, then things will happen. And exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's exciting. Great. So back to your story. So you, um, on the third attempt, you found a doctor to listen to you and, and then what happened? Yes. When I finally found a menopause, um, hormone health specialist, it was it's basically an, an out, like a group of of doctors and um, nurse practitioners in Chicago at Northwestern University, um, it, I, I felt like within the first five minutes, they just understood everything. And it was just such a feeling of relief that just made me feel like 
I was, what I was going through is real and that it's uncomfortable. Um, and it was just nice to be acknowledged for that. So when I had my first appointment with that group in Chicago, um, you know, they asked me a lot of questions in an exam. And then by the end of the, the session, they decided to put me on progesterone to start and see how that went. So I did that. And then at a follow-up appointment, it was then that they prescribed me um, estradiol patches that I applied twice a week. And so I was on the estradiol patch for um, probably close to a year. And it definitely made a difference in helping to minimize my symptoms with night sweats and menopause headaches. Um, but I was still experiencing those symptoms, you know, it just yes. basically helped to reduce those symptoms uh, or the severity of them. And so I went back to the doctor and she ended up after like actually several more follow-up uh, sessions, she ended up putting me on the pill continuous cycling. So basically I take the pill every day um, so that I get more, a little bit more estrogen than I was getting from the estradiol patch. And so now on continuous cycling of the pill, I've seen even, you know, even better results. My night sweats, I still have them, but whereas I would say pre uh, hormone treatment, I was having severe night sweats, like probably six out of seven days a week. I'm now at this point, um, probably having night sweats, maybe two to three nights a week. So anything is progress for me. That's really interesting because I haven't heard of the pill being used. Yeah, as a, interesting too. Yeah, really interesting. And I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It is that it's that journey, isn't it, as a woman finding out what works for you? But exactly. And, and like, I'm going to keep going. I, I actually have an appointment um, next week with a, a new startup, a women's health startup called Femgevity. Um, this based in the States and they, they are a telehealth platform for women in menopause. So they actually have um, some genetic testing involved with their uh, treatment plan. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to do that. And they have a more, uh, I guess you could say holistic approach to menopausal treatment. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and more tailored to individual women, presumably. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. But what, what's interesting you said, and I think it will resonate with a lot of the listeners, is that when you found eventually someone who listened to you, you felt validated because there is that stage where you're you're not feeling yourself. You're mm -hmm. a bit scared about what's actually happening because you're not sure. Mm -hmm. And then when doctors tell you, well, no, you're not in menopause and almost suggest that you're imagining it, it's Yes, exactly. it's a little bit scary, isn't it? But when you're finally validated and you or you get validation and you realize that you're being listened to, that is it's priceless, isn't it? Because you just then yes, yes that big sigh that you can just say, Oh, yeah, I'm in safe hands now. Yes, it was a it was definitely a feeling of relief to know that number one, you know, this is it's normal, right? Yeah. I didn't, although they didn't use those words, it's like, that's what I've come to realize. And I think that's a big part of the awareness is that, Hey, perimenopause is, is normal. It's a part of, um, a woman's experience of, of, of aging. And, um, although we always, we tend to talk about all the negatives of it. There's, I think there's a lot of positives as well. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's we're, we're basically teenagers in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so now your symptoms, uh, do you still get, you get the the sweats, but do you get anything else yeah. or or does the pill manage to control most of them? Good question. So, I actually have never had a hot flash. Um and I think at least this is what my doctors told me is because I'm on I'm also on an antidepressant. I'm on Prozac. And um, I've been on it, you know, for a few years now for uh, depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so apparently anti- some antidepressants can actually prevent um, hot flashes. So luckily I haven't had that problem. But yeah, the night night sweats, definitely uh, still a thing. I'm just like kind of used to it by now. Uh, and um I continue to have the midsection weight gain. It's just a pain in the butt, but I'm, and, you know, I just continue to exercise and try to eat healthy and just, you know, try to accept that this is just part of <laughs> what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, insomnia that used to be really bad for me. Um, I was waking up in the middle of the night, you know, probably half the week before I was on, um, hormone treatment. And now I would say, well, I, in addition to taking the the pill continuously, I'm also taking um, a a drug called trazodone, which also is an antidepressant, but it's good. For, it's prescribed often to women, at least here in the states, for helping us stay asleep at night. I have no problem going to sleep; it's just staying asleep is is my problem. Um, so trazodone has definitely helped. I I do still wake up every now and then. Like last night, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and was hungry, so I ate a snack while looking at my phone for an hour. <laughs> but eventually, I did go back to sleep. Now, so when you were starting on the journey and no one would listen, you started a blog. Is that is that right? That's right. Yeah, my original blog and it still exists today is called jumbleandflow.com. And um, I started as just a, a personal blog in 2019, where I was writing about my experiences and, and really my frustrations with uh, not being able to get a diagnosis for perimenopause. And when I started blogging, it was then that I started hearing from friends and other people who were discovering my blog posts that they said, hey, I'm going through the same thing. I'm so glad you wrote about this because I don't know what to do. So it was it, it was kind of a community building um, process as well as just doing the the writing and so I've just kept at it um, over the past few years and uh, grown our traffic quite a bit. We, the highest we've been is seventy five thousand unique visitors a month. Um, but we also now we're about to rebrand ourselves and call ourselves the Mits. So that's why I'm running something called the Mits Substack right now but eventually we're going to launch a, a dedicated site just to the midst brilliant and what's what's going to be the difference yeah good question um I'll, basically we're going to transfer all of our content from jumble and flow over to the midst we have more than 200 blog posts about um, women's health in midlife that we're going to transfer over um but we'll just the brand we feel like the, the term the midst more immediately uh, communicates that we're targeting women in midlife. Um, so it'll basically just be a rebrand and we'll just continue to, to publish more content. Um, and we'd love to be able to build more of a, you know, community aspect 
for the mist as well. Wonderful. And are you still blogging regularly regularly about your experiences? I am. Yes, actually, let me think. I I feel like now the, the a lot of the content that I'm writing about is related in some shape or form to um perimenopause. So like I just wrote a book review about a book called The Upgrade, um, which is written by a, an American doctor whose her goal is to reposition menopause as an upgrade experience in life. Um, and let me think, I also just wrote something about some research done about when is the happiest age in life for people around the world. And the average unhappiest age is um, 47, which I am, I'm 47. Oh, wow. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So with doing that research and writing about that, then, you know, I always tie in the the perimenopause experience as well. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a great um, font of knowledge for people to find out all sorts of stuff from. Yeah. I mean, and the good news is that um, after age 47, on average, people around the world um, become happier and um, so, and I've continually heard that from people that like in their 50s, um, they tend to be happiest. So I'm that makes me look forward to getting older. Yeah. And it's, it's nothing to fear, is it? It's just once you get a handle on whatever is happening to you at any particular time in life and find the tools to deal with it, mm-hmm. then exactly. that's that's half of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I- and 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 then in terms of what you've done for yourself and is there anything that you'd like to share that you wish you'd known or that would you feel would help the listeners yes i think the main thing that i i would love to say is that just because your primary care doctor doesn't know much about perimenopause it doesn't mean that you're not in perimenopause <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I know this is going to change with more awareness in the years to come. But right now, I just feel like that's where we are. That's where we're at in the United States, at least. Um, And just that if you're experiencing common perimenopause symptoms, just know that they're valid, you know, Um, and many millions of women are also going through the same or similar experience. Um, everybody's perimenopause experience, like you were mentioning, is different, absolutely. Um, but there definitely are similarities. Um, and what else? I think just know that there's a growing number of communities of women who are talking more and more about their menopause and perimenopause experiences, and that it's really starting to feel like we're we're all in this together. And together, you know, we're sharing information as women and um, sharing our experiences. And through that is empowering us. And I think it will become less, it is becoming less of a taboo subject, but it's just going to take time. Yeah. And it's less lonely because I think in the past, it must have been quite lonely for our mothers not being able to talk about it. And society didn't even recognize uh, anything before you stopped your period. So, you know, all the women in their 40s, 20, 30 years ago, were suffering in silence. And that makes me feel quite sad. And that that was the point was why I set up uh, Menopause Buddies was also why, you know, you've set up your um, 
a blog and website and communities yeah. is to help the women coming up behind so they don't have to go through what we went through and we can all learn from what worked for us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting when I talk with my mom and my aunt who are in their mid to late 70s um, about how they, they just think it's it's kind of fascinating that I'm I'm not just writing about my experience of perimenopause, but then posting it on social media for anyone to see. And I mean, believe me, it's, you know, I'm, I was nervous about doing it and I'm still a little bit shy about it when it comes to like posting on LinkedIn, for example, where my day job colleague can see what I'm writing about. But um, overall, I th- I'm glad that I'm, coming, I guess I'm out, I'm coming out as being a perimenopausal woman. Um, but you're right. It's, 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 it's a bummer to hear how women in their seventies now or older just say like, we just did not do that when I was going through this. Um, and they definitely didn't know exactly why it was, why they were experiencing perimenopausal symptoms. So I, I can't even imagine what it was like before now to just go through the the common symptoms and not have probably any insight yeah you can't imagine it can you and and nowhere to go because they didn't have the internet you know we have the internet to yeah to explore and share so yeah and not being able to talk to your your friends or your family yeah Mm -hmm. yeah doesn't bear thinking about but that's been a wonderful um, conversation, Amy. And thank you so much for all that you're doing for women because, it, you know, it's wonderful, isn't it? There's so many people like us doing this that you just feel that it's the word is going to be spread around the world and every part of the world will have the knowledge that will help women in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for doing what you do. And I'm excited to see what happens next. I'm hoping that... Um, your podcast and so many of these other women who are writing and talking about their experiences will continue to come together. And we're not competing against each other, are we? We're we're all in this together. Exactly. We're we're, we're helping each other, and uh, it, the more the merrier. Uh, it, for, from from my point of view, and oh, great! Thank you so much. Great. Thanks for joining us today, Amy. You bet. Bye bye. Bye. I really enjoyed chatting to Amy and learning about her perimenopause journey. If you're experiencing the same problems as Amy in getting someone to listen to you when you know you're going through perimenopause, do keep trying and do believe that you'll find the answer eventually. If you'd like to share your story on Menopause Buddies, you can contact me on annie at menopausebuddies.co.uk. Please do like or comment on Spotify to let me know what you think of the podcast. <music>